This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. It's the Thursday edition. You know that means it's a date day edition. And you know that means that Paula is live in studio with me. So we'll get to her in just a moment. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is the Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions or questions about stuff that's going on in your life. All you have to do is call us. You can dial 210 210- Three four zero ninety five eighty five. That's three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll free at eight seven seven six three zero KSLR. Numerically, that's six three zero five seven five seven. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app and send your questions to us that way. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer and everything else will be hands-free. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you. What's on your heart? Well, you know, I don't usually like talk about a study that I've done, but... um, that's right. You went back to work Monday, didn't you? I went back to work on Monday. Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of fun, you know, um, especially because I got to do the thing that I really enjoy doing the most, and that's encouraging people, you know. And in this time, I can be really busy because a lot of people are very discouraged. And so I was talking about being the armor bearer um, from First Samuel fourteen, and um, you know the armor bearer description is. Uh, and you can go on, people can go online and, and watch it. It was just a real short um, exhortation, encouragement, um, because... Short meaning 10 minutes, 20 minutes, what? You know, I didn't really time it, but I think it was more like 20 instead of the normal 40, you know? Sometimes 45 is sometimes, I have a lot to say. <laughs> uh, but um, for this one, uh, I really just wanted to encourage the ladies who were here and um, then we turn the live stream off, and we have a, a Q&A and then a time of prayer. And so I wanted the Q&A and the time of prayer to be extended, so I didn't, um, I didn't really teach for a long time, hence just verses 1 through 7. And so um, talking about being an armor bearer um, is one who carries the large shield and maybe other weapons for either a king, commander-in-chief, Captain or a champion, and in in our case, it was even for our pastor. And so, um, said all warriors of distinction had such an attendant. And then, of course, I I take that as personal because the Lord has been uh, 
trying to reboot um, me again in, don't forget, you're his armor bearer. Um, and said that the shield bearer or armor bearer was a figure well known. Um, and the business of being an armor bearer is to protect the fighting companion during the engagement. Well, you know, every single day we wake up, it's we're in a battle, all of us, really. But, uh, you know, the Lord, again, was saying, Paula, don't forget you're to be the armor bearer. So, um, one, I need to pray more for you. And so, so he was taking me to Ephesians, you know, where put on the full armor of God. Well, Lord, put on his full armor of God. You know, there's so many things that are coming at us, you, in particular, um, protect him, Lord, his mind, his heart, his ministry, um, and everything else that concerns him. And so, you know, and I, and I went on to tell him, you know, I'm married to a warrior of distinction. He, <laughs> he Was the word handsome in there anywhere? In the oh, Bible? probably, but I don't think so, not this one. <laughs> this one was more like, um, you know, he hears from the Lord, and we're going to do what, you know? What? We're going we're gonna move to move to San Antonio. We're going to church. We're going to have a free school. We're going to have a free medical clinic. We're going to... Gonna, 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 and it's like, oh my goodness, pay for Raul Reese's radio program because you know something happened at their church many years ago, and Lord, we can't even pay rent. I mean, all those things were happening, and but by the house, you know, I even crazy stuff, you know, and the Lord says, you're His armor bearer. Yeah, He's going to be in a battle, and and the arrows are going to come flying at Him, and He needs you to be one in front of Him. Before you go on, let's think about a couple of things real quick. Okay. You know, um, the, the step of faith that, that was, I guess, 23 years ago to buy the house that we've lived in all this time. Mm-hmm. Um, we had no money. $568, I think, in the account at that time, but 500 was <laughs> was already designated for something else, I think. Every, everything we've always got was designated for something <laughs> yeah, else. I, yeah, yeah. But, but think about it. Now, now, twenty three years later, the house is paid for, yeah. and um, we've had the consistency of being in that one place. And we had no idea that that day it was a Monday um, that we looked at that house. I walked in the door and said, "We'll take it." We didn't, didn't even look around, mm-hmm. and uh, we had no idea that that was God's plan. Yeah. But he, but he moved on our hearts and. That's uh, one of the reasons I'm always trying to get people to step out in faith because it's leading to places that God has already designed for us. And, um, you know, how long would we have stayed in an apartment? I mean, who knows what would have happened? But uh, the idea was God had prepared a place for us. And all we had to do was follow Jesus into that place. Mm-hmm. And that Monday morning when we walked in the door, and it was as though Jesus was there, and he's saying, welcome home. Mm-hmm. And that's when I said, we'll take it. Mm-hmm. And that's when we really got scared, yeah. because that requires money. <laughs> you know, we don't have any money. Uh, but, but, but every step of faith is a step in the direction of the final destination that God has for us. And all we have to do is um, be obedient, be faithful. When he asked us whether or not it makes sense to us mm-hmm. or not, mm-hmm. but that was a real promise that he made us. Yeah, and, and and you know, I don't know what it is with the Lord in our 
in our union. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm not asking him enough. I don't know, but my, my the stuff he asked me to do is be the armor bearer. So I guess that is a big deal. <laughs> that is a big deal, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and as I recall, you did not say when we walked in the house, I said, well, take it. You did not say, do all that you are. <laughs> I'm with you, heart and soul. I don't think you did that, did you? Oh No, you left. Oh. You left me there with it. But I was probably thinking that. Yeah, you know, oh, like, yeah. like, let me see. I'm going to have to call the bank and tell <clears throat> them, you know, let this check go through. But then those other ones, let's just put those on hold for a minute because I don't want checks bouncing. All. So, yeah, no, it, everything worked out fine. But, yeah, I always, I seem to kind of go freak out moment first. And then it's like the Lord says, do you trust me? Okay, yeah, now I do. But I think, you know, seriously. I didn't, but I do now. Yeah, initially it's like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. Um, you know, even paying for the other radio program, and I've shared that on this program before, we couldn't even pay our own rent. And now we're going to pay our, try to pay our rent and the the payment for the other radio. For a guy with a church of 14,000 people. You know what people. I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. He could be paying our rent but and see, that thing. Something, anyway. something that we've taught pastors and their wives, yeah. or, or men who are called to be pastors <laughs> and their wives, is that there's a different dynamic with a pastor and his wife than it is with just um, uh, the, the normal Christian life. Yeah. And um, the, the, the pastor's wife has to be taught to follow the pastor as he follows Christ. And it's not one of those things where, well, God spoke to me and said this. It's just we, we've got to walk together. Mm-hmm. And God was preparing us for unique ministry the whole way. We can look back now and see every single time God's hand moved. Mm-hmm. And we realize that he was preparing us for a ministry uh, that was unique, where everything was going to be by faith. Mm-hmm. And so the little tiny steps at first led to bigger steps, led to bigger steps, led to bigger steps. And we'd get to see the hand of God move in those little tiny steps. And, and it was a while before we even realized we were in such deep water. But Jesus was always there. It's like he, he said to Peter, uh, you know, well, well, come on out. Mm-hmm. And, and we had to take those steps of faith. And you had to uh, trust that God was leading me. And God never gave you any verification that those crazy things that I was saying yes to were from him or not. Mm-hmm. He was just challenging you. Do you trust me? Yep. Do you trust me? Yep. Will you trust me? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that's an important dynamic. Truth is, uh, all of the stuff that we've been through in all of these years, I, I don't think there's any way we could have made it um, had you not trusted the Lord instead of trusting me, but also sort of latched on to me and said, where you are, I'll go. 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 I'm going to follow you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And- I think I used to say this. You know, if you're wrong, the Lord's going to knock you upside the head, right? Because he loves me so much. I'm precious. Don't forget. So don't you be making any wild, crazy things without considering the Lord. And, again, the Lord will always take me back to, you know, He's he listens to me. You can trust me. Okay. I have to keep reminding myself, you know, you because know, sometimes it gets scary. <laughs> it gets scary, Pastor I, Ron. I tell, I told the church over and over, I'm scared every day. Mm-hmm. But, but it's not like I have a choice. I know. I know. So I'm supposed to be, I, I know I'm not supposed to be. I am the armor bearer. Yeah. So. You used to tell people <laughs> that, hey, he's the kite. I'm just the kite tail. I still say that. <laughs> yeah. If the kite tail could 
only talk. That's what it would say. <laughs> okay, I interrupted your train of thought. Yeah, anyway. Um, armor bearer. And so, um, yeah, the Lord's saying, reminding me and reminding all Christians that where God leads, we're to follow and to trust him. And I did use the, the, the story of <clears throat> God knows bike tricks on that tandem bike. You know, of course, I just want Jesus to get on a level street, no rocks, no ditches, you know. Just smooth, mm. quiet pavement. Just take his time, ride with no hands, just... <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, you know, just straight. There's no curves, there's no dips, no turns, no nothing. Just from here to there with no issues. But that's just not how the Lord works. He wants... How easy that would be to trust him. I, don't, I wouldn't even have to hold on, <laughs> you know? But he knows bike tricks, and he takes us up like on roller coasters takes us up to the mountains and once we get up there it's like oh I can see what you are doing Lord and you know this is wonderful up here and then he says yeah but now we got to go down and that's scary and so you hold on and then if you're going down and you have to turn real quick oh my goodness that's spooky and he says but do you trust me the whole time he's always says but do you trust me Yes, sir. And see, that's the other thing about walking by faith is you get the opportunity every day to prove that you really do trust him. And and most of the time, um, you know, when we say we trust God, it's sort of a a mental exercise. So theoretically, we trust God, Mm -hmm. but but we don't really know until we get tested. Until you get tested. And that's the thing, too, because I usually, the freak out thing that, is my initial is, oh no, I'm not going. I'm not going to pass this test. I can already feel it, you know. And, and the Lord said, "Just relax, trust me," because He gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey. And that's the one thing I was able to share with the ladies in my walk, though it's kind of iffy at times. The one thing I do know is, if He says go, <clears throat> I go. Why would you say, even though my walk is iffy at times? I feel like it's iffy at times. I do. And so. And I don't know anyone who had watched your walk with the Lord who'd, who'd suggest that it was even close to iffy. <laughs> well, maybe I'm just going by my thoughts. <laughs> Me and that guy, too. But see, the thoughts are okay. Yeah. You take them captive, and that's what you've done. Mm. And uh, I've said this a hundred times over the years. When you do that which scares you the most, God is the most pleased. Yeah. Because that's, it's like he's in heaven saying, oh, look at her, she trusts me. She's trusting me yeah. again. She's so cute, mm-hmm. she trusts me. <laughs> and see, that's, that's how we find out that he's trustworthy. As long as it's theory, we never actually learn that he's trustworthy. Yeah. And, you know, with the world that we live in now and the way things are going, uh, the, the the thing that we've got to be honest about is we're going to be in situations where we have to trust God. Yeah, yeah. You know the the thing, Ron, that is being tested um, over and over again is hands down, heart open. You know, um, and he keeps saying, "Do you trust me?" Okay. 
Okay. You'll give me the grace. So, do I trust him? Yeah. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) I I just say, Lord, I think I do. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's... It needs to become the habit of our lives, and it is, I hope, for you and for me. Yeah. But, but it needs to be the habit of all of our lives, simply to say, yes, Lord. Yeah. I'm, I'm a servant. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love the character study of Joshua, because Joshua was taking over from Moses, the Can man of God. Imagine, uh, you know, there's three million plus people following Moses, because Moses' face was shining when he comes down from, from talking with God. And even though that, that, that glow is fading, they know he's the man. We don't want to talk to him. You know, you talk, you talk to him. Tell us what he said, and we'll follow you as you follow God. And suddenly Moses is dead, and Joshua is beside himself. I can't do this. I'm a servant. Now we know Joshua is fearful. And we know that because God told him, don't be afraid, over and over and over. Mm-hmm. We know that Joshua was easily distracted. We know that because God told him, don't look to the left or to the right. You have my word. And when Joshua was sort of contemplating, I don't want to take over for Moses. Nobody can fill his shoes. God simply said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Mm-hmm. Let's stop talking about yeah, it. You've got work to do. Let's go. We're not going to talk about it anymore. There's a plan. Just you've got my word. I talked to the people through Moses, but now I'm going to talk to my people through my word. And Joshua, your job is to follow my word. And, um, you know, it worked out pretty well for Joshua. So, and I I was asked the questions, you know, as we walk with the Lord, are we complaining, are we whining, um, questioning God's goodness, because that's what the enemy wants us to do. Um, Do we just want to be living a life of ease and comfort, you know, like being on the back of that tandem bike? Jesus, let's just get a straight street, okay? Let's go. A nice, smooth street. I don't want to go on that street where there's turmoil. I don't want to go on that street where it's, it's dark and scary and, like, alligators are coming at me from either side, you know? You, you'll have to dig that out and read it on, on the air uh, so, so that the audience understand that one of these days. The, the tandem the, the, thing? The, the tandem. I don't even know where I have that. If any, I, It just is in my head. It's a great story. Yeah, it is a good story, but yeah, Jesus knows bike tricks. And he's going to get to point B, and if you hang in there with him, so will you, you know. So, anyway, but we have to be ready, full of faith, ready for the fight, and we're in a battle. And um, <laughs> this is uh, Bob Davis, I'm quoting from, um, and he said, somebody has to be a Jonathan and say, let's just go see what God wants to do. I said, I'm married to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married to him. And so if we catch ourselves, this is still Bob, though, if we catch ourselves under the pomegranate tree making war plans but not actually willing to get into the battle, God will use someone else. And so we need to ask God what he wants us to do about that. You know, Paula, it's something, it's, it's a really exciting life when you wake up every day and you think, this could be the day. God, maybe today you want to do something special. Yeah. Maybe today. And I'm your servant. I'm here with you. So I'm with you, heart and soul. So we become sort of the Lord's armor bearers by proxy. But the people who are following us are our armor bearers. 
And that's so important because we want our people to see the hand of God move in their lives. Mm-hmm. And, and most of the time, Christians sort of sit back and passively wait for God to do something. And he just doesn't move like that. He just doesn't move like that. So what we've got to do is be in that place where, like Jonathan's armor bearer, we can say, you know, Lord, if you decide today you want to do something special, I'm with you heart and soul. What are we going to do? Yeah, the NLT doesn't doesn't do it right. It says, um, "Oh yeah, it says I'm I'm with you completely, whatever you decide." Yeah. That doesn't sound nearly as good, huh? It's kind of sanitized. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I, I, I'm with you, heart and soul. You know, and so yeah, I want to be there with you, heart and soul. And I think I am. I just sometimes I'm a little fearful, but that's like you say, faith is the antidote to fear, and so that's the, still. The coolest thing that the Lord has has done for me. I'm not saying I'm faithful. The Lord has kind of pushed me and pulled me a couple of times because He knows what's best for me, and He wants He wants on that day to say, "Well done, good and faithful servant." Though He's gonna look at me and He's gonna give me that wink, like you know full well. <laughs> I'm the one that helps. That's a, that's a funny picture to me. You said the Lord will push you. You know, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. Yeah. I call them by name and they follow me. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, and this is true for all of us, I think sometimes the only way he can get us to follow is sort of get behind us and just you Just kind of push a little yeah. bit. Huh? <laughs> go, go, you know. And and I, I just think it's really important for us to understand that this whole idea of fear is a normal human condition. I think sometimes Christians are embarrassed to say, I'm afraid. You know, we want to sound like we are faith giants. No, I'm not afraid. God can do this. I plead the blood of, you know, that kind of nonsense. Instead of just saying, you know, Jesus, I'm afraid. But I'm going to walk out on the water to you. You you said it was you. Bid me to come out to you. And I'm going to take that step of faith. And as you know, because we've talked about this a lot of times, I never want to be one of the other 11 who stayed in the boat. I'd rather get wet. I'd rather be fr- afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'd rather people look at me and say, you're crazy. Why would you walk on the water? Nobody can walk on water. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be that guy <laughs> than the one who stayed in the boat and said, wow, that was pretty cool. Did you see Peter? He walked on the water. Yeah. I- I you want to be that guy who says, yeah. I'm walking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see me? <laughs> and these are not waterproof Shoes, I'm walking on water for real with Jesus. Just me and him. This is awesome. Yeah, me too. I was telling him, being Ron's armor bearer is, um, you know, because God had told me right from the beginning, this is the one for life. <laughs> it's a passionate, scary life, but it's an exciting life. And I wouldn't want it a meaningful life. I wouldn't want it any other way. So I'm your armor bearer, baby. So wherever you're going, I'm going to be there. Maybe, maybe a little nervous. But I'll be the one praying the hardest. <laughs> Let's go over to the outpost of those pagans. See, we, we represent all the sheep following Jesus. Yeah. I'm the white sheep, you're the black sheep. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how it's supposed to be at times, you know. You just all together go in the same direction. So, yeah. It's sometimes scary, but it's really, really exciting. And I'm like you. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to get to heaven and say, you know what? If you would have only trusted me that time. Now he's not going to scold us or anything, but you know, I don't. I want all my crowns. I'm not going to be ashamed to say that. I want 
every crown that he wants for me. And um, just so I could give them back. So if anybody out there wants to pray for me, courage, because I'm married to a, <laughs> a warrior of distinction. <laughs> this guy is, is crazy for Jesus, and sometimes I think he just plays. When we come back from the break, one okay. of the, one of the, the, and, and this, this can apply to every wife and every husband, but, but I want to talk about it for a few minutes, especially as it applies to pastors. The idea of praying and how to pray for your husband and the pastor. I know you used to have a list of of ways to pray for your pastor that you pray every day. Mm-hmm. And um but but I think especially as we're heading into the time um that we're heading into in these last days that that husbands need to know their wives are praying for them. And the other part of that, the other side of that is if you're married to somebody who isn't out there taking steps of faith, who isn't really following the Lord, then you need to pray for them even more. Mm-hmm. Because um, you want to be in that place where the two of you together, your one flesh, where the two of you together can be in that place where where you're following Jesus and and you're on that bike tandem bike doing the bike tricks. Uh It was fun today at the restaurant to see, you know, when you you went to the restroom and there was this cute little baby that I could see. And so by the time you come back, I'm at another table talking to people. But as you come, you stop at the table before us where we were sitting to talk to that family. We're on a mission, right? <laughs> it was awesome. We're doing the same hey, thing. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the day, day show. 340-9585. We'd love your calls or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of the Date Day Show, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Paula, before I talk about prayer as an armor bear, anything else you want to finish up? Any thoughts? Mm-mm. I think Prayer and armor bearer. We'll finish that up because we want to talk about something else too before this this day is over. We're just kind of going. Yeah. yeah. Kind of fast. Uh, w- one of the things, as I mentioned on the other side of the break, that that um, as an armor bearer for your husband, especially if you are married to a pastor. If you're not married to a pastor, and most of you certainly are not, then all of you, male and female, ought to be praying for your pastors continually. Uh, we, we live in such a tough time. Uh, we who are pastors, you know, we we we're, we can't be right. There's always somebody who disagrees. You know, should we open our church? If you don't open your church, people say, you have no faith, you're afraid. If you uh, do open your church, then you've got the other side who's afraid of getting this, this virus, and they say, well, you don't care about people, you're not loving people. And I've had all of those responses, and and I only know my responses, but this is typically what you'll see on comment sections, um, on, on articles about pastors who are taking these steps of faith and then defiance of state orders in some places. Um, and it just seems like th- there's no way your pastor can be right. And we've got to do what the Lord is leading us to do, and we've got to take a stand. And, you know, as a pastor, one of the things I think that people forget about is is the welfare of our flock 
is so deeply embedded in our hearts, we see firsthand through communication, we watch people's lives falling apart, we see the damage done by isolation. Uh, We see the people who are hurting, the people who are depressed, the people who are suicidal. Mm. We, we know those things are going on, and we realize that the devil is is using them like one of those old punching clowns that I had when I was mm. growing up. Mm-hmm. You keep punching, they keep coming back, but you keep punching it down. And, and um, you know, we've got to take into consideration more than just our physical health. We've got an enemy who's trying to rob, kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah. And we've got to consider those people in our flock, sometimes maybe the the younger or the, the less mature Christians, and we realize what they're suffering through, how much they're struggling in isolation. And, you know, the person who says, well, I just don't care. My physical health is the most important thing, and I don't want to be in a dangerous place. You know, that's as selfish as you can be when you have to consider the whole of the body and the whole, the entirety of the body's needs. And uh, we who are pastors, I can just tell you, we really would covet knowing that you are praying for us. And uh, it's just something that we've got to understand. It it seems so unusual. You know, we've had uh, 25 years here of, for the most part, just wonderful unity and wonderful fellowship. But suddenly when people get scared, they stop walking in unity. And they start thinking about preserving their own life or their own way of life. And what we've got to do is say, no, no, we're a a church body and we're going to walk forward in unity together. Are you going to find yourself not walking at all? Mm -hmm. And that's the sad thing about churches. There are always people sort of on the fringes and they get left behind. They get left out of the work that God is doing. The sad thing about this current situation we're in, Paula, is that a lot of those people who are now being left out by their own choice at one time appeared to be people right in the middle of this wonderful work that God was doing. And you know, people that we thought, well, we'll always be able to count on them. And and yet they they pull away. And it's not that we're angry at them. We, we understand they're afraid. But for some reason, we who are Christians have stopped praying and asking God what he wants us to do in the pursuit of preserving our own health. And we're, we're, we're scared of ghosts. You know, we're like the punch-drunk fighter who sees punches coming even though there's nobody there. And we're, we're punching. So the idea of you being an armor-bearer for me in prayer is more viable than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And the, one more word of exhortation for the, the people in the audience here. Um, pray for your pastor. Assume that when he makes a decision, it's a decision led by the Lord. And, and whether or not you agree with it doesn't matter. You don't get an opinion. You don't get a vote when, when the pastor is saying, God, what do you want us to do? And I know that is offensive to some, but the truth of the matter is if God sent you to a church... He expects you to support the vision he's given to that pastor. And again, we don't like that because we want our own opinions and we want people to do things our way. But all I can say, all I can say is that the people who are missing out are are being left out Mm -hmm. and it's a tragedy. Yeah, I think I think so many people um, don't understand that you're pastors 
pastors are not the boss. And you know what happens? A lot of people don't want to submit to any kind of authority. And so because at this church, I'll just talk about our church. When you say God is leading me this way and it makes people uncomfortable, they get mad at you and not God. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I understand if people say, well, I don't believe the Lord is leading me that way. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. But then you've still got to go to a church and follow the vision that God's given that man. You, you never get to do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Not ever. Yeah. And we, especially in the West, uh, as Christians, we cherish our independence. Yeah. And God says, no, no, no. Sheep just go where the shepherd leads. And... Um, if 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 a pastor is doing something that you simply can't follow, then that's okay. Uh, Paul and Barnabas had to go their separate ways. But it's not okay to think the worst of the pastor, to get on social media and yeah. speak ill of him. Yeah. It's not okay to try to win others to your point of view. Yeah. It's just, you be a good Christian, and you either follow the one that God sent you to, and if you think about it, is God going to say, you know, a lot of the people, Paula, um, I was greatest pastor ever until I said something about, we need to be back in church. What do you mean be back in church? <laughs> and, and you know, it's not like I just suddenly got spiritually stupid. So you got to follow somebody. But what happens is they pull out of one place try to take others with them, and then they don't go find somebody, uh, some other church where they can be part of a greater body doing a greater work. Yeah. You know, you said about the um, rob, steal, kill, and destroy. Um, Satan is having a field day right now, Pastor Ron. He's having a field day. He comes, Satan does, this is his job, and he's doing a great job right now because we've given him an opening, you know, big wide openings he he wants to rob us of our confidence in god's ability to talk to us lead us protect us provide for us i mean to care for us period he steals he comes to steal he's stealing a lot of people's joy a lot of people's hope you know the the suicide rate is crazy high right now um he's like you're saying, he's he's here to kill a whole bunch of people's ministry. Um, they're not doing anything other than taking care of themselves. Um, and then destroy. He's destroying families like crazy. Um, marriages. Uh, too, too much idle time. Yeah, way too much idle time. And we're not doing what we're supposed to do. But I love the fact that at the end of that, um, the purpose that Jesus came for, because I'm quoting John 10.10 10, in that. But Jesus says, but my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. And right now, a whole lot of people are not living that rich and satisfying life. They're living a, a dried up, withering up life inside, thinking they're doing something great, scared to death because eventually you got to come out and a whole bunch of people are coming out, maybe not on Sunday going to church or whatever. But today, driving around, there's a whole lot of people on the road again mm-hmm. because they will go to they will go to work. They will go to grocery store. 
they will go to all those other places that they really, really want to go, like the virus only comes to church. Yeah. <laughs> but see, the, the, again, he's he, the enemy is using um, local and, and state authorities to terrify people. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're sort of being just the opposite of Jonathan's armor bearer. Uh, instead of instead of saying, okay, I'm with you heart and soul, do everything that's on your heart yeah. to do. Um, we, we see King Saul sitting under the pomegranate tree, and we think, well, right now that pomegranate tree looks pretty safe. So we can be around other so-called Christians, but none of them who are doing anything, and at least we'll be with other people. Yeah. Problem is we're not doing anything. And, and we, you know what, this has been how many months has started in March? Well, so yeah. So so I think this whole For thing starts start early in March. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it, it's an amazing thing to consider because from March until now, there's a whole bunch of people that have completely disengaged. Completely disengaged. Paul, let's take a phone call. We've got Greg on line one. Greg, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. Hey, good to hear you guys. Um, Listen, there's a guy that called in, uh, I think it was either last week or week before. I mean, he's, uh, I think, a regular caller. I think you do seem to know who he was. And he was having a hard time. And I believe he referred him to either Ephesians or Philippians. I, I was driving. I couldn't write it down. I can't remember which one it was now. Because based on what he was going through, he said, oh, yeah, read, read this book and... And seemed to think it would help him. I can't remember which which one it was. Now, do you remember that conversation? Yeah, I, I told him to park in Philippians for for a long time, read it, repeat it, and repeat it again and again and again. Uh, it, it's it's a, a book. You know, we, we unfairly characterize it as a book about joy, but it's a book about overcoming. It's a book about. Uh, impossible circumstances, unfair circumstances, and the way we get victory over those unfair circumstances. So, Greg, that was the reference that I made to him. Uh, and uh, I, I can make that same reference to anybody who's interested. If you're going through a difficult time, um, get get into that jail cell with the Apostle Paul and listen to what he had to say and put it into practice. And he says, if you do that, the peace of God that passes understanding will be yours as a possession. So, does that help, Greg? Yeah, it did. And, and then I think you referred to some uh, somewhere in Psalms too, didn't you? Well, any, yeah, any of any of the Psalms that David is in the cave running from King Saul. There's a bunch of them. I think it was Psalm 26. Yeah, Psalm 26. I think you mentioned. Um, I was thinking Psalm 40, because that was... Psalm tw- I know I mentioned Psalm 29. Yes, yeah, Psalm 29. Psalm 84. Oh, but, yes, that's but, what it was. But, Greg, the, 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 the Psalms, all of them that, that were written with brutal honesty by David when he was hiding in the caves for a period of 10 years. I don't think we understand that, that he's anointed king by Samuel. Uh, he served Saul faithfully. And suddenly javelins start flying by his head and, and things get to the point where he's betrayed in that really emotional scene uh, with, with uh, Jonathan. 
um, where, where he says, if you see the, the arrow go beyond you, run for my father's intent is to destroy you. Mm-hmm. And from that point forward, for the next 10 years, he's running for his life. He's losing hope. And yet he prevails. So any of the Psalms that David writes, uh, I especially like Psalm 84, uh, that happened to be Greg Spurgeon's favorite Psalm in, in, in the whole Psaltery. So, um, um, Psalm 84 is just so, so spectacular. And, um, and again, any of the others where he was in the caves. Thank you, Greg. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. We've got Jeff online too. Jeff, thanks for calling. You're on the air. I just wanted to say happy month after your birthday, Mama Paula. <laughs> I heard you when you you gave me my birthday greeting on the radio, and I was thinking, I love him. I miss him. You used to call all the time, but now you got that dumb job, I guess, right? Keeping you away. <laughs> no, it's just. Um, <laughs> It's, I had a dumb job. I still had that dumb job. Just got, <laughs> Sorry. You, you know, honestly, you know what, what? What I do for my tent making job is is uh, I, I deliver supplies to to um, um, to hospital operating rooms. So for the past five months, to add to the stress, um, I've been encountering these these uh, truck morgues out in the back and running into funeral directors taking taking a body out one time i was at methodist hospital uh and i was there three different times in the same day and every time i got there they were removing a i'm removing a body and Mm -hmm. you know it's one thing when you walk into an or and you see like kind of the surgeries you mean i don't go into the or when they're operating but you get you definitely pick up what's going on around you and you see the stress and the nurses and the people that are working and, and you know you try to pray for them and i was on a, a hotline with uh, veronica and i were both on a sort of a um, chaplain's hotline uh, with the hospitals down in the valley because they you remember when the, that hurricane went through and they had just about a month ago they had a huge spike in in um, the virus and they had no one available to to pray for the families so we would we would choose a time slot and they would call us and say we have a family that needs prayer and they would connect us on FaceTime so we would spend about 20 minutes talking with the family before they went in to see their their family member that was close to passing away and they only had five minutes to be with them so then they would take the phone and then with them and we would pray with them for five minutes while we're watching all this on our phone you know mm-hmm. it was just really really intense and um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh grateful that you know we could we could reach out to people in some way some form but and i i, I was I was all light. Your first half hour was pretty light, and then y'all started getting all deep again. <laughs> and I was like, man, I just want to hear them talk about how Pastor Ron found that $10 bill flying around when they didn't have You money. know that's right. <laughs> and I was hey, like, you know what? They, they didn't have a lot of money for a long time. 
But that story about me... that $10 bill, I wanted you all to talk about that $10 bill. And I just want to add, Pastor Ron, what you were just talking about. So many Christians, quote unquote, that will leave a church, but they'll leave the back, through the back door and not go out blessed through the front door. Yeah. And, 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 and how they leave without even like sometimes even just saying a word to anybody on staff or saying a word to anyone about why. And you later have to dig up, you know, what, what what caused that person to leave or why haven't we seen that family now for four weeks? And you find out something that you didn't even know about and they never even, you know, cared or were concerned to come to talk to you about. You know, and yeah. it just doesn't equip it just doesn't equip the saints to continue to work to do to improve or anything. And, and oof. you know, Jeff, the, right, the, no. the 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 the, the, pro- <laughs> the problem that. Most have they, they don't think about the ministry that God has assigned them, and and um, let me thank you personally for staying faithful. I mean, who would be there if you and and your beautiful bride decided that you know because of this this virus threat, you know we can't be going to hospitals. You know that's dangerous. You can't do that, or you can't be. Uh, used to, to minister to people who who are going in to say goodbye to lost loved ones. If you decided to take the time off, then who is going to be God's representative there in those times of need? And, um, you know, it makes my point earlier that we, we just don't get time off as Christians. We don't get time for ourselves. We don't get to say, well, I'm afraid or I'm protecting my kids or I'm protecting uh, my marriage. And prote- I, so I'm not going to do that. We we stop serving the Lord and we stop functioning. And that abundant life Paula talked about just a few minutes ago suddenly disappears. And then we play right into the hands of the devil and he starts pounding us. Can you imagine... If every Christian doctor or nurse stopped going to the hospital. Every cop. I mean, people that are exposed. Jeff, going wow. in these hospitals, yeah. is exposed every single day. Uh, I mean, he's, he's at ground zero. Yeah. And it would be easy for him to say, well, you know, I'm not going to do it. And, uh, you know, the rest of the Christian world is debating whether or not we should go to church. My goodness. How can that even be a thought? Should a Christian go to church? Should we take time off? And, you know, this this spiritual pablum that we keep hearing, um, well, you know, we're loving others by caring for them and we're, we're isolating ourselves. That's not loving anybody. No. That's about as immature as it could be. And when we got people like Jeff, who is getting paid to do one thing, but it puts him right in the crosshairs where he can be praying for doctors and nurses and people who are losing their loved ones and watching bodies being taken out of the morgue uh, cars. Um, you, you know, we've got to keep doing the work. And that's why I told Greg uh, to park in Philippians because uh, Paul, when he could have saved himself in that mm-hmm. Philippian jail, mm-hmm. when he could have saved himself... He stayed there. He stayed there. He said this in Philippians 1.20, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. Things don't get easier. They get harder. The, the being on the back of the tandem bike with Jesus, it doesn't get easier. It gets harder. But our faith should have grown to where we can say, 
okay, Jesus, where you go, I go. I'm with you, heart and soul. And you know, hard is hard is it's hard, but it's also exciting. Yeah, it is because that's the place you get to see the hand of Jesus move. Jeff, thank you for calling. Mm-hmm. I appreciate. It. Please mm-hmm. give Veronica our love and and let everybody know that we miss you very, very much. And thank you for your faithfulness in serving the Lord, Paula. We're about three and a half minutes left in the program. What do you want to talk about? You know what? In Psalm thirty-seven four, it says, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." And you know when we pray. And you're talking about praying. Um, Lord, for me, help me to be that a much better armor bearer. You know what the Lord says? I heard you. I'm going <laughs> to give you the desires of your heart. And so the next time we go down the thing and make the curve, remember, this is me. It's going to be delightful. Okay, Pastor Ron, you said at the beginning of this year, and I said this to the ladies on Monday. Remember Pastor Ron said at the beginning of the year, 2020, the year of the spectacular. And don't we think spectacular is going to be like fireworks and everything's great? My first thought was, new building, finally! (laughs) 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 Maybe instead of the $10 bill that Jeff talked about blowing at my feet, it would be like a $10 million bill. You know, whose face is on that? (laughs) I'm going to start praying for it. No, Uh, but, uh, But yeah, spectacular. But we still have, what, this is September... October, November, December, we've got four months or so, give or take a few days, for something spectacular to still happen with the fireworks and stuff. And so, mm. um, you know, be ready. I want to be, yeah. be in that number of I want to see it, I want to be a part of it. Paul, I'm in touch, as you know, with pastors from all over the country, all over the world, really, with our, our Calvary Chapel pastors, the server. Okay. And... and uh, uh, People who had never set foot in a church are getting saved. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many people are afraid that, that, that they have no place else to turn. And God is directing their steps, and people are getting saved. That's pretty spectacular. You know it. And in these last days, um, remember, there's a finite number of Gentiles who are going to be saved. Um, as they keep turning to the Lord, we're one second closer. And and um, um, what if on... New Year's Eve at 11.59 we got raptured. What? Yeah. See, that would be make 2020 a pretty spectacular yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. And we've got to think about that. We've got to stop thinking about material spectacular things or, or just abundant blessings. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the fact is that people are terrified now. Yeah. And their hearts are open to Jesus as at no other time yeah. in our 25 years here at Calvary Chapel. Well, that's pretty much it for the Date Day edition of the program. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Greg and Jeff, for your calls. Uh, May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 Word, our final week or day of the week, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Amen.